Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to reveal God's end time prophecy. Fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Tell us in your word, where two or more are gathered in your name, also there you will be. We give you thanks for being with us here today. It's our prayer that you will open the eyes, ears, hearts, and minds of everyone listening to the truth of your word. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Don't worry about what's going on behind the scenes when you have a professional, licensed investigator who will expose the man behind the curtain. Facts the government doesn't want you to know. Get the truth with a Christian perspective at Will ZPI on the Blog Talk Radio Network, where not even Homeland Security can bury it so deep the informant can't find it. That's Will ZPI on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash alarm radio. With over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash alarm radio. This offer not available on the Audible.com homepage. Welcome in, friends. I'm so pleased to have you here with us tonight. Welcome on everyone with all of the social networks, iTunes, web browsers, search engines. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We're going to have a wonderful discussion tonight about God's armor and some other things that are very important um, and related to it, which is going to be uh, trust. 
Um, we're going to talk about trust after we talk about the armor of God, um, how we can use it, um, and how we can trust it. Um, all of these things are very important, especially in the times that we're in. You know, we're, we're in such a time that it's so hard uh, to come to the truth of, of really what's going on around us when we're being bombarded. You know, Satan is in his last days, and he knows it. He knows his time is very limited, and he is working extra hard. And uh, through today's program and through tomorrow's program, uh, we're going to show you exactly how hard he's working. He's doing everything he can possibly do to draw us away from the truth, uh, to lead us into apostasy and, and denial of who and what Christ is and what he's done and He's working extra hard. So I'm going to try to keep everybody grounded. Uh, we need to stay grounded because so many people are falling away from the faith. They're, they're believing all these doctrines of demons and seducing spirits and thinking that there's many paths to God. And uh, that we now need to be in this ecumenical movement. And uh, we're, we're in, we're in a once-in-a-lifetime uh situation here so uh, we've got a couple prophecy updates which are really going to coincide incredibly with what we've been reporting all week if you remember on Monday I reported that in the UK <clears throat> women are having abortions based on the gender of the child so if the child's gender is not what they wanted then they will abort that baby and try again. And they're not even shy about telling the doctor about the reason. Of course, they don't have to give a reason, but some do. Uh, and they're having tests, um, ultrasounds and blood tests beforehand to determine the gender of the baby. And that if it's not the gender they want, they just abort it. And it's just a, an incredible callous um unfeeling, unloving way to deal with another human life. You know, and I talk about abortion all the time because you know I'm sensitive to this stuff anyway. Abortion is a very touchy subject with me. Then, on Tuesday, I reported that... Let me see if I can remember. I reported that uh, University of Melbourne and their ethics committee... Uh, released a um, a story in the Ethics Journal that they believed that after-birth abortions should be permissible. After-birth abortions. So once the baby is born, if there's something about that baby that they don't like, or if they feel it's, they've changed their mind, it's going to be undue stress on the family, or on society that that's a reason to have an after-birth abortion. Now, they're not calling it what it is, which is murder, and they're not calling it infanticide. Instead, they're classifying this newborn as being a non-person, and this non-person, therefore, has the same status as the fetus that's in the womb and can be aborted after birth. And I explained then that once this seed gets planted 
it grows because this is a seed of Satan. This is a demonic seed just to come out with this article at all in the first place, to even speak about this, to say something so callous and to be bold enough to put it in print and say that this is something that they believe should be permissible. That kind of satanic seed has no choice but to grow, and it will grow, and it did. Because that very next day, Oxford University came out with an article in their ethics journal saying the exact same thing, quoting the story that they had heard one day before. It only took one day for that to cross the ocean all the way to, all the, way to the U.K., to Oxford University, all the way from Australia in Melbourne, one day. And they came out and said the same thing, that a, a, a newborn baby is not a person and doesn't have the rights of a human being to life. And that it should be acceptable to abort that newborn baby because it's not a person yet. That is so incredible because there's, there's absolutely no feeling, there's no respect for human life. It's where death has become... Uh, just nonchalant. And I brought up the question when I reported on the Oxford story. And I'm not sure if I brought it up here or on our other network, but I'll bring it up now, just in case I didn't. I don't remember. Uh, But the question is, if it's okay to abort a baby who is a newborn, calling him that baby a a non-person, and saying that it's okay to abort it if it becomes a burden to the family, if it's an economic burden, or if it's a burden to society. So in other words, if society is going to have to pick up the financial tab, if this is a a baby with Down syndrome or a baby that's going to have to be on public assistance to support itself the rest of his life and becomes a burden to society then at or the family, then at that point is it they're saying it's okay to abort that baby. Well, where do you draw the line there? If you're going to abort a newborn baby, where do you draw the line? How far does that go? Does that go up to age one? Does it come to the point where when that child reaches the terrible twos? And we, you know, anybody who has kids knows those twos, terrible twos can really be terrible sometimes. I mean, what a challenge those can be. Does it go to that point where the parents say, you know, this two-year-old is just too much? And it's really become a burden on the family. So it's time to abort this two-year-old with an afterbirth abortion. Where do you draw the line? If it's allowable to to, uh, to murder a baby that's already been born, then then the line has to be drawn somewhere. Because if it's not, then that could apply to anyone. And the question is, if Uncle Ed has a stroke... And he's 70 years old and can no longer take care of himself, has to have help going to the bathroom. You have to feed him. Does he then become a burden on the family and a financial burden to society? Is it okay to abort Uncle Ed at age 70? Is it okay to cut off his water and his food and just let him pass on? We have to draw the line somewhere. Well, I think they have drawn the line somewhere. And I'm going to um, share in our update 
exactly where they have drawn the line. They have drawn the line so far away that it can't even be seen. Now, this is out of World News Daily. Now, hold on to your britches. Oh, boy, here we go. In the Netherlands, the Dutch have instituted a program. This program is called the Dutch Mobile Euthanasia Unit to make house calls. A euthanasia unit from a Dutch company that makes house calls. Now, death is making house calls. A new scheme called Life End will respond to sick people whose own doctor have refused to help them in their lives at home, a controversial system of mobile euthanasia units that will travel around the country to respond to the wishes of sick people who wish to end their lives has been launched in the Netherlands. Now, this scheme, which started on Thursday, will send teams of specially trained doctors and nurses to the homes of people whose own doctors have refused to carry out patients' requests in their lives. The launch of the so-called Levenside or Life End house calls units whose services are being offered to Dutch citizens free of charge. You can now die for free. It coincides with the opening of a clinic of the same name in The Hague which will take patients with incurable diseases as well as others who do not want to die at home. The scheme is an initiative by the Dutch Association of a Voluntary End of Life, a 130,000-member euthanasia organization that's the biggest of its kind in the world. Let me say that again. That's just so incredible to me. The scheme is by a Dutch Association for a Volunteer End of Life, a 130,000-member euthanasia organization. That's the biggest of its kind in the world. From Thursday, the Life End Clinic will be mobile teams where people who believe they are eligible for euthanasia can register. Wahlberg de Jong a spokesman said if if they do comply, the terms will be able to carry out the euthanasia at patients' home should their regular doctor be unable or refuse to help them. He added the Netherlands was the first country to legislate euthanasia in 2002, and its less legislation on the right to die is considered to be the most liberal in the world. But doctors cannot be forced to comply with the wishes of patients request the right to die, which, uh, which prompted the NVVE to develop a system to fill the gap. Sick people or their relatives can submit their applications via telephone or email. And if, are you kidding me? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish this. You've got to be kidding. Sick people or their relatives can submit their application via telephone or email. If the patient's request fulfills a number of strict criteria, the team is then dispatched. 
Legal guidelines state the person must be incurably sick, be suffering unbearable pain, and have expressed the wish to die voluntarily, clearly and on several occasions. According to Dijong, the team will make contact with the doctor who has refused to help the patient to die and ask what his or her reasons were, why they wouldn't help him. More often than not, he said, the motivations are religious or, or ethical. Religious? Adding that sometimes doctors were simply not well enough informed about the law. So apparently the law just trumps their motivations of religious or ethics. If the team is satisfied that the patient's motives are genuine, they'll contact another doctor with whom they will start the euthanasia process. They will first give the patient an injection, which will put them in a deep sleep, and a second injection follows, which will stop their breathing and heartbeat. <laughs> Every year, 2,300 to 3,100 mercy killings are carried out in the Netherlands, although opponents of the practice claim the figure is much higher because many cases are not registered. Didn't they just say they had to register them? The Royal Dutch Medical Association supports euthanasia in principle if there's no alternative, but has distanced itself from the NVVE initiative, arguing that giving it the name Life End will foster the idea that it's for those who, it said, are simply weary of life rather than those who are sick. It also questioned whether life-in doctors will have the chance to forge the necessary relationship with the patient to be able to ascertain whether or not his or her life should be ended. Okay, friends, here's what we're dealing with. Jesus says, when he returns, it will be like it was in the time of Noah. Well, Look around, because I think Noah is lurking around here somewhere. He's got to be here somewhere. Tell me we are not in those times. I, I, I just cannot believe that people are so callous, that they are so heartless, that they have no value of human life. So where did this brings? I'm going to bring up the question I brought up a minute ago. Where do you draw the line when abortion is? is accelerating more and more and more. It, it had gone to the point of, in the beginning, it could only do it at, uh, what was it, six, eight weeks, something like that, and then they increased it from that. Then they sowed another seed and increased it from that. Sowed another seed, and then we're up to late-term abortions. They sowed another seed where it was, they would actually pull everything out except the baby's head, and then well, I don't need to explain the process. I, I Go back and listen to my show on abortion. It's pretty graphic, but it explains exactly what they do and how they do it. Most oh, Clearly murder. Clearly murder. So, And now they've sown the seed, and it's increased from that to afterbirth abortions. You see, this is a freight train. This is a freight train that can't be stopped. And when it comes to drawing the line somewhere, there is no line. And this very story proves that very thing. There is no line. And if, you know, if, if Satan and his minions can get everybody, uh, what's a good way to put this, everybody conditioned 
and brainwashed into losing the sanctity of life, losing the respect for life, then he can have a heyday. It'll be like a birthday for him. Oh, holy grace, gracious day for Satan. And you know what? He's, he's succeeding. That's the worst part. He is succeeding. All right. My goodness. Is this just not incredible? All right. Well, you know, we talk about, all the time we talk about the coming one world order, the new world order, which is going to include the one world government, the one world religion, and the one world currency. And in our past programs, we have covered these things extensively. So anybody that listens on a regular basis, you've heard me talk about these things and show you proof program after program after program with details and, and facts coming out of the horse's mouth or the other end of the horse. But still, facts coming from its source that these are not things I'm saying. These are absolutely true. Make no mistake, this new world order is, is on the verge. And they're taking steps in this direction all the time. And it's, like I've promised many times before, I am going to stay right on top of this. And I'm going to keep bringing you all of these things that they're doing um, baby step by baby step. Now, remember, I've told you before that they're using the same philosophy that the Muslims use. When the Muslims say that they're going to take over the world, they're not going to come in with a giant army and take it by force. They've already told us exactly what they're going to do. They said America will die and it will be a death of a thousand cuts. So what that means is they're going to give us little tiny cuts every here and there, once in a while. And you're going to have so many cuts that you will finally just bleed to death. You won't even know it's happening. Little tiny cut after tiny cut. And that's exactly what they're doing with this new world order. With the one world government, the one world currency, and the one world religion, they're killing us. They're killing Christianity one cut at a time. They're killing Christianity with the death of a thousand cuts. And every time they cut us, you come to this program, and I'm going to show you right where they cut you and how deep. Because they're cutting every one of us until they cut Christianity right out of, the, right out of existence. We are already on the verge right now of being um, domestic terrorists. <laughs> Especially with this new ecumenical movement, so many people moving into it. We are now being labeled as haters. We are haters because we're preaching that... That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him. And these people are throwing themselves down and kicking their feet and screaming like schoolgirls, saying, you can't say that. Well, you know, I'll, I'll say that right up to the time that they drop the floor out from under me at the gallows, because it's the truth, and I'm not backing down from it. Which brings me to Pastor Youssef in Iran. I haven't been able to find a single thing on him. I have no idea what's going on. He could have already been executed by now. They have cut off the stream of information. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to keep looking, though. As soon as I hear anything, you're going to be the first one to hear it. All right, so I want to do one more um, story from this prophecy update, which is exactly what uh, we talked about with this new world order. After this, then we'll start our discussion about God's armor and trust and, and all of the things that go along with that. So the UN is proposed planetary regulations of food and water. Now before I before I start this, 
I want you to think back to the other programs, when, especially the One World Currency. You know, when I talked about the BRIC nations and uh, India, who is um, going to a cashless society by biometrically uh, identifying all billion and a half people in their country, as soon as that's done, uh, uh, India will be cashless. They will not have a, a currency that you can put in your pocket. <laughs> and <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> this is not something that's coming up. They're they're almost halfway through the process now. Um, this is uh, facts on the ground, boots on the ground of what's happening right now. Well, the, and I said when they did that that as soon as you have a planetary, um, um, a global currency, then what what has to come with a global currency? You, then you have to have global rules and regulations. You have to have policies and procedures, and all of those will be global. They will apply globally because it's a global currency. And when this comes about, this is going to be the start of the one world government because you're going to have to have a governmental body to control and regulate how this is used. So this is just the first few steps in this global system. And you know how this works with lawmakers. One, they're a freight train too. Once you start with rules and regulations on a global level, it just freight trains. It snowballs. And it's not going to stop until they control everything. Well, the UN is proposing a planetary regulations of water and food because they are claiming that we're running out of both of those. And this also goes back to my programs on the UN Agenda 21, which was adopted a few years ago. And you can go back and listen to the archives about that if you want. It's already been passed. It's already put in place. It's already been brought to America. It's um, set into place by uh, Bill Clinton through um, executive order. Anyway, United Nations Environmental Program. Foresight Process Report, 21 issues from the 21st century, suggest global regulations of food and water to deal with impending shortages and threats. The environmental report issued by an agency of the UN last month has some critics sounding the alarm, saying it's a clarion call for global governance over how the earth is managed. The report, 21 issues from the 21st century, this is Agenda 21. This is <laughs> I, I'll encourage you to go back and look at the Agenda 21 program I did where I laid it out exactly what's in that thing and how the, it's incredible. And this is just like everything else. This is not something that's coming. This is in place now. This is being implemented right now. So it says the report from the United Nations Environmental Program Foresight Process and the culmination of a two-year deliberative process involving 22 core scientists. It's expected to receive considerable attention in the run-up to the Rio 20-Nation Conference. Scientists who wrote the report say it focuses on identifying emerging issues in the global environment, that it's not about mandating solutions. But its critics see an agenda lurking in its 60 pages which call for a complete overhaul of how the world's food and water are created and distributed, something the report says is urgently needed for the human race to keep feeding and hydrating itself safely. 
and this is even more utopianism, pie in the sky pleading for global governance, including what they acknowledge as novel governance, governance arrangements, including alliances between environmentalists and other civil society groups. This charged Chris Homer, author of Red Hot Lines, how global warming alarmists use threats, fraud, and deception to keep you misinformed. And a senior fellow for the energy and environment of the free market competitive enterprise in Washington, D.C. We're not talking about a world government, said Professor Orrin Young. The Foresight Report suggests actions to save humanity from starvation the overheating planet, and the collapse of the world's oceans. Opinions that include a new constitutional framework, international protocols, and a shared vision for the land and water management that essentially rewire existing treaties and governments. They're not even shy about it. But the group insists it's not a call for global governance. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Isn't that what they just called for? Wait a minute. Am I missing something here? Let's try this again, just in case I'm missing something here. I mean, did something slide by me? The Foresight Report suggests actions to save humanity from starvation, the overheating planet, and the collapse of the world's oceans. Options that include constitutional framework, international protocols, and a shared vision for the land and water management that essentially rewire and um, existing treaties and government. But the group insists it's not a call for global governance? No, I don't think I missed anything there. I, I think that was just a huge contradiction. Since we're not talking about a world government, said Dr. Professor Young. Professor of Institutional and International Governance and Environmental Institute at the University of California. I'm sorry. How can they say these things in the same paragraph? I, they must really think we're stupid. It says, but the group insists on not calling for global governance, but we're not talking about a world government. Professor of Institutional and International Governance and, and Environmental Institute at the University of California in Santa Barbara, one of the scientists who issued the report. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. He said the panel's conversations include questions like, how do we re resolve these problems without creating the monster entity? Young said the panel wasn't uh, tasking with finding all the answers. We realize the government can't be part of the problem, or can be part of the problem, he told FoxNews.com. He said, but, but we can't close our eyes and say, oh, well, everything will work out without us even looking at it. Even environmentalists don't believe the planet-wide accords are partic particularly popular. He said, I don't think there's a global appetite right now for new institutions or a world environmental organization like we have. Oh. With the World Trade Organization, Janet Redman, Director of the Sustainable Energy and Economy Network at the Progressive Institute for Policy Studies in Washington, D.C. I, I, you know, I, I don't think I even need to 
finish the rest of this. Uh, you know, this is going to uh, this is going to work right into what we've been talking about. With this mass confusion, how can people be so so incredibly confused? Because there is an incredible confusion here. You know, I've struggled for probably the last year or so trying to figure out how people can come to the conclusions they're coming to. I mean, not only with the abortion and the euthanasia, but with the whole governmental thing and this ecumenical movement where where they're trying to make this alliance with the other religions saying we all worship the same God and evangelical Christians like you and I are buying into this. You know, with the purpose-driven church and the uh, and this whole ecumenical movement and everybody, 56% of evangelicals saying there's many paths uh, to Christ. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to talk about God's armor because if we can get a good understanding of this armor, we can help combat these things. We can help come to or stay with the truth. And we need to do this before I am labeled as um, a hate show and a domestic terrorist, and they come and lock me up in FEMA camp because I'm saying these things, because hate speech laws are forbidding people like me and some of you from saying the very things I'm saying. And, and these laws are also growing, where I am not going to be allowed to say these things because it will be considered hate speech. It's hate speech to say that Jesus is the only way. And if I don't renounce that and move into um, their prescription of, of what God is um, in their global idea of a one God, one religion type thing, I'm going to be an outsider. I'm going to be a heretic. I'm going to be a, a domestic terrorist because people, for some reason, have got this mass delusion. And you know, there's there's times in the in the Old Testament where where God had given people um, mass confusion on a mass scale, um, where where He had confused, say, the uh, opposing army coming against Israel and you know there's more than one instance where where he's done that in order to um achieve his purpose well in these last days um we're we're told about this and uh, you know you know what my favorite it, my uh, favorite end time prophecy is is second timothy 3 where it says that people are ever learning but never able to come to the truth or of his word people are never able to understand the truth of of what God is saying even when they read the words it comes out of their mouth their eyes take it in their mouth spits it back out but it doesn't stop anywhere in between it goes right through and and people just don't get it <clears throat> so before we start this I'd like to give um, a, a testimony about something that happened to me yesterday and and then we're going to we're going to start this um look at the armor of god now last night um after my program i went into the grok show and because um grok that's g r o k 
Um, Grok does a very good job. Um, I don't usually go in for the music shows, <laughs> but but w when they're teaching, it's Grok and Army Girl for Christ, and they do a really good job. <clears throat> Their chat, word, uh, chat room on CYI is... Uh, and, and I think the ministry is geared toward young people, but their chat room on CYI, <coughs> excuse me, is usually um, pretty chatty. Um, you know, I I think that's probably younger people in there um, who like to socialize, and they go in the chat room and they listen to Grok and Army Girl for Christ and they chat with each other. Well, I was in there last night after my program, and uh, and. Rock was preaching the word. I mean, he was preaching the word, and I, I, I think I was only in there about four minutes, maybe five minutes, and he went to a break and played some music, and when he came back, he was speaking probably about ninety seconds, maybe maybe two minutes, and everyone there, I don't know if listeners outside of the CYI chat room. Um, would confirm this or not, but but something changed about two minutes into what he was talking about, and and you could feel the energy change, and I felt the energy change, and this was this was something that that wasn't really identifiable. It was more like a, a thickening of the air, and, and an energy change, and it was. Sort of like, you know, when you drop a rock in a pond and you get the ripples? Well, it, it, it was kind of like that, where you, where I was feeling these ripples, these ripples of this energy change. And I thought, you know, what's, what's going on here? And I look over to the chat room, and the chat room had gone silent. Now, it's not that, it's not that the people weren't there, and it's not that they weren't chatting. It's just all at once, all of them stopped chatting, and nothing was coming up. And Grok was on fire. I mean, he was preaching the word on fire. And I sat there, and I listened to him, and, and I, I felt this energy change. And I look in the chat room, and I'd never seen the CYI chat room quiet. And it was so bizarre it was so strange that after about three minutes of that, Grok said something about it. He said, what's going on here? Why has the chat room gone silent? He didn't even realize what was going on. But this was obviously one of those moments, and I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, where where you start talking about something like that um, on this program a time or two where – um, I would look at the clock to see how much time I had, and then I'd go into the study, and the next time I looked up, 40 minutes had gone by. And I'd say, where'd those 40 minutes go? Well, that's what Grok was doing. And, and, and he looked up and all of a sudden realized everything was silent. And then, after about five minutes of this, Grok got knocked off the air. And he went down, and Army Girl for Christ had to step in and... And pick up because Grok had got knocked off. And I, I just got this, uh, this kind of goosebumps because I wasn't the only one that felt that energy. I wasn't the only one who 
was feeling those ripples of that energy change. And it was like, it was like Grok was just saying these words that weren't his own. And, And they were just coming out. They were just flowing out like he just opened his mouth and these things were just pouring out, you know, like he had no control over it. It was just pouring out, pouring out, you know, and, and I'm listening to what he's saying and I'm looking in the chat room and I'm going, yeah, you go, Grok, you are on fire, brother. Go, go. And that's exactly what he did. you know. And, and, and then after he came back up on the earth, then everything kind of slid back into normal. But for that period, when when he was on fire and... and he got knocked off an army girl for Christ stepped up and then she was on fire taking his place like she was picking up right where he had left off. And when he came back up, everything just kind of slid right back into where it was. And, and after that, I kind of thought, I sat there for a couple of minutes and thought, what did, what did we all just experience? What was that? It, it was just, it was it was incredible. It was just incredible uh, because I you know I've experienced um, like most of you probably have. I, I've experienced a, a hyper awareness when when the Holy Spirit's doing something or you know you you feel a presence with Christ that's that's um, different or unusual or not the norm. You know, and and that that's kind of what that was. It was just it was absolutely incredible. So I wanted to share that just because uh, it, I'm still kind of in awe of it. it. It was such an incredible experience. So let's, <laughs> without delay, um, I want to talk about God's armor um, because he gives us this armor for specific reasons because we are battling um, powers and principalities, not flesh. And <clears throat> in order to do this, um, in order to battle these things effectively, uh, we have to have this armor that he gives us. A lot of people overlook this armor as being uh, um, a nice thing, and you know, some people know it, and they say, yeah, know all about that, but they don't use it. They don't employ it. They don't put it on, uh, and it's just uh, another story out of the Bible for them. Well, when we're dealing with the, the massive... Um, lack of conscience for death. And we're dealing with things like the ecumenical movement where people are just not able to see the truth. We need to understand what this armor is and understand how important it is to use this. Now, I was earlier um, in, a, uh, in another program with uh, Pastor Dale Gardner, who is, uh, her program is God Remnant. And uh, she was speaking about some um, things in our lives, about doubt and about why we can't come to the truth, um, why some people just can't seem to come to the truth. And when I sat there and listened to her, it really hit home. Um, I've struggled for quite a while to, to try to reason in my own mind what is wrong with these people that they're believing this stuff. Uh, like it's some sort of mass insanity, and, and I've just been having such a hard time um, coming up with the reasoning how people can buy into this stuff when the truth is right there in front of them. Why can't they? Why can't they see this? The, the truth is right in front of them. And uh, I have a little clip that um, that I downloaded from her show. And right before I signed on, 
you know, something told me inside that I should have taken a longer clip than what I had taken because uh, she talked about doubt um, in ways that um, I probably should have um, kept and shared uh, because the clip I have is um, not very long and I, I should have taken more. But you're going to get the idea. Um, let me play this clip because it's going to lead us right into um, speaking of God's armor. Um, so listen to this real quick. Man's intellect and reasoning cannot perceive truth since it is filled with strongholds and sin. The devil has taken the opportunity to entrench his thoughts and ideas in our minds and reasoning. In that condition, you cannot perceive the truth. If you keep entertaining doubts, you will suffer insanity. You do not discern what Satan has in plan for you. Truth comes from God. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the truth. He will teach you the truth. In the spirit world, darkness can shield you from the truth. You do not know the dangers of ignorance of the truth. I lean on the Holy Spirit, and God showed me, behind my personal doubting is the enemy. God gave grace to crush the enemy and gave me a personal breakthrough in my thought life and my faith life. Now, now did you hear that part where she said that um, without, without these things, people are going to suffer insanity. Now, think about what they're doing with what we've been reporting on, how casual they are about death. People who are reading the word and still not able to come to the truth of it, buying into this whole ecumenical movement that there are so many different ways to Christ. That's craziness. That is insanity. When it's right in front of them and they can't see it. What she said is exactly it. That's it. That's it. That's the reason. Uh, you know, I, I should almost play that again because that was that's that explains so much. It explains this insanity. So, with what she said in mind, let's take a look at the armor of God and see if we can combat this insanity and what kind of tools He gives us to do that. Now, if you'll take God's armor and actually use it, employ it understand it and and put it on and use it on a daily basis you'll be able to avoid these schemes that are leading us away from the truth so you don't suffer its insanity so let's take a look at this i know some of you are saying well, it's about time well yeah it is about time but i had to get those things in there so that we have a good foundation to to, um, to build this truth about God's armor on. That's why this is so important. So, you know, he gives us some, some very powerful tools to, to fight the good fight. In fact, when used in the right way, there's no way we can be defeated. There's no way to be defeated if we use his armor the way he's intended for us to do it. You have to employ it. You have to put it on. You have to stand firm with it. 
And if you do that, you won't be sucked into these lies of society and the devil and these doctrines of demons and all of these untruths. So, first, there's a way to describe this, the way Paul did in Ephesians. Now, Paul was formerly known as Saul, who was a great military leader in the Roman army. He fought, fought many wars and battles, became a great military leader. He describes it like this. God gives us armor to protect ourselves. First, he gives us a helmet, the helmet of salvation. Now listen closely. This is to protect our thoughts. This is to keep our mindset in the right place. So when you do something that's not right, or um, you go the wrong way, or these doctrines of demons and evil spirits, the lies of the devil start being smashed up against you, You have the helmet of salvation to protect your thoughts, to protect it from Satan getting in there with his lies and diverting you from God's truth. It's, it's also to guard your emotions, and this means the feelings that the devil tries to put on you, because sometimes he uses your emotions. Um, you know, Pastor Gardner talks about, um, when she spoke about doubt, which I should have downloaded, but I didn't, so I won't cry about it much. But <laughs> um, he, He'll use your emotions um, like just like doubt, and he will make you doubt things, uh, make you question things, and that's what's ha happening with the 56% um, uh, of evangelicals who are buying into this whole thing that there are many paths to God, that you don't have to go through Jesus. Uh, He's putting doubt in there and making people question themselves because this ecumenical movement is is so huge. And there's so many people on so many different levels and from different directions that are slamming you and I with this idea that we're wrong and that they're right. They're using our own terms and passages out of the Bible and saying, see, here's what it says. Everybody knows it. You're the only one that doesn't know it. Why can't you come around to what the truth is when it's not the truth at all? And we're being slammed hard with it. Slam, slam, slam. And the first thing that comes is doubt. That's the first thing that comes. And you start questioning yourself. Well, am I really believing the right thing? Uh-uh. You have your helmet of salvation on there. That's going to protect you for his truth. You have to know the truth and not be led away from that truth. You know, he'll also use worklessness or guilt. He'll try to get you to think in other ways that you should not be thinking. You know, this is one of the, the devil's favorites. He wants you to feel like you, you just can't do what God wants you to do. He wants you to just give up. Say that you're not strong enough. You don't know enough. Maybe they are telling the truth. You don't know enough of God's word. It's too hard to understand. You can't understand all of this stuff. You feel bad about the whole thing. The devil's saying, come on back to me where the living's easy and fun. Enjoy everything the world has to offer. Come on. And that's what he's doing. He's saying, you don't have to go through all of this rigmarole. Just come on back. The living's easy. Come on. Forget all that stuff. It's not true anyway. Here's the truth. Come on. Don't be stuck in that rut. 
You need to have that helmet of salvation to know who and what you are in Christ. And I know some of you people here are tired of hearing me say this, but I'm going to say it all. I say it all the time. You have to know who and what you are. You have to understand what sin is, who and what you are in Christ, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. This, these are things you have to know and understand and be firm in. You have to be firm in this. And the only way you're going to be firm is to protect your thought life, protect what goes on in your mind, because the devil is slamming you hard. You know, he also gives us a, a breastplate uh, that goes along with this. Uh, you know, this this armor protects you from, from these fatally flawed thoughts and, and feelings because the devil is the father of all lies. This is one of his most effective whoppers is to don't believe a word of these worthless lies. That's what he's going to tell you. And, and you'll see by the end of all of this how God's armor will work together, each one supporting the other, to keep you from these sloppy lies. And, and that's what these are, sloppy lies. Now, now make no mistake, I've said this a hundred times before, I'm going to say it again too, just in case we have some new listeners. I don't want them to miss out on any of this. But Satan is the father of all lies. And, and what does that mean? That means he is the perfect liar, the perfect liar. He will suck you in right to the very end, and then he will, he will tell a, um, a part of what he's saying that's a lie that will nullify everything else he said. It will nullify your faith, nullify your trust, nullify everything that has to do with you and the truth of the word of Christ. That's why no matter what anybody is telling you, if it's the truth all the way up to a certain point and then they lie at that certain point, walk away from it. And you have to have you have to have armor that reflects those kind of things. It makes you aware that those are lies that are coming at you. You need to be aware of this. Okay, so we also have the girdle of truth. Now, for you ladies or for you guys that have the wrong idea about this, this is not one of those nineteen twenty girdles, you know, where you see a picture of somebody pulling strings with their foot in the middle of their back pulling these strings. It's not that kind of girdle. So all you guys that are smiling, you know, don't just wipe that smile off your face. It's not that kind of girdle. <laughs> this is what it means in the Bible. To gird yourself. It means to wrap around yourself or to cover. All right? This girdle was designed to protect your midsection. It's worn below the breastplate, around your waist like a belt. It would protect your vital organs. You know, your stomach or organs, all of the organs that are behind your stomach. And God gives us this to know in our most important parts that the words and the protection he gives us is true. The truth, the protection is real. Our vital parts cannot be accessed because of the truth of his promises. That's his word. If God tells us this armor works, you can count on the fact that it works. Because if you don't, if you don't believe what he says, if you, if you doubt that these things are going to work, then they're not going to work. Because you're gonna, that put, puts holes in his armor. And the devil's a good shot. He will fire right into those holes. You have to do all things in faith, through Christ, in faith. And if you don't, if you have holes in your armor, you're susceptible. 
We also have the Sandals of Peace. All right, so I know what you're thinking. This means peace with everyone. Don't get mad. Be a piece of carpet to be walked on by everyone. Well, that's wrong. That's not what that means. This means you can have peace in in your heart. No worry. No stress. No doubt about the armor that God gave you. No doubt about your salvation. No doubt about who and what you are in Christ. And no doubt that his word is true. It's about uh, the fact that his armor will protect you um, the way it says it will, without fail. That you have peace in your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit. And that you can rest in the fact that God gave us this protection and he'll teach you to use it if you will employ it and put it on. He, he'll show you. He's not going to say put it on and then throw you to the wolves. So, And when you combine all of these things together, you have this big, incredibly large, powerful piece of armor that really will protect you if you will just trust in it and not doubt. Okay, so he also gives us the shield of faith. So when you put on the armor of God all together and allow it to work through your faith, knowing that each piece of armor not only works on its own, but has the added support of the other pieces, you can hold that combination up together as a very large shield to protect you from whatever's thrown your way without worry. So you understand what this shield is and what it does. This this shield is vitally important. Nobody's perfect. And if you have holes anywhere in this armor so far, in the breastplate or in the girdle or in, in your helmet of salvation, and you think that Satan or his minions are going to start firing their fiery darts into uh, some of those holes, you always have your shield of faith. And that's the faith that what he's given you is, is going to work and hold you firm and strong. Even if something does get through and get get into one of those holes, it's not going to matter. It's not going to be fatal. And it's not going to be fatal because you have this shield of faith. You have the shield of faith that's going to ward off all of these attacks. That's the faith to know his word is true, what he says is true. And if you can't hold on to that, if you can't get a grip on that, and even under attack, stand firm with that, then you're in trouble. And you're in danger of falling. 56% of all evangelicals already have fallen because they haven't put on their armor and they haven't used this shield of faith to ward off these lies. Instead, they're wearing no armor, they have no shield, and the devil's in there just cutting them to bits. And now they believe there's many paths on the way to Christ and that it's all about sustainability. It's about Mother Earth. It's about everything except the truth of God because they've been overcome. We can, we can avoid being overcome if we'll use this armor the way we're supposed to. And in just a minute, after we talk about this, we're going to talk about trust because trust is also a huge part of this. So this shield is going to protect you from whatever's thrown your way. You also have the two-edged sword. So when you have your full armor on, and you have your shield up, and the devil's looking for weak spots to shoot his arrows in or, or jab you with his lies, 
God gives us a sword to defeat his arrows. Because they even reach, uh, before they even reach our, our shield or our armor, we can use it efficiently, efficiently and, uh, and effectively to cut through the fog and the barriers that the devil puts up to try to block our way. We can also use it to pierce through the lies to show the truth. This is just another piece of the armor that we can fight back with. You know, it, it, the, our instruction manual tells us that his word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Some of you may have heard this before, but, you know, in the Roman times, um, before the Romans, all swords just had one edge on it. Um, and the other edge was a blunt edge. So you had to swing it a certain way in order for the sharp edge to actually do what it was designed to do. Well, the, the Romans became so incredibly powerful and conquered so many peoples because they invented the two-edged sword. While everyone else had a sword that just had one sharp edge, both edges of the Romans were sharp. So it didn't matter which way they swung it. They could swing it forward, backward. It didn't matter because there was a sharp edge on each end, and each end cut equally which gave them a huge advantage. Well, God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And if you will use these things properly, if you will put this armor on, in fact, go to the Bible and study, study the, or, or stutter, I don't know, study the armor yourself, and you'll see exactly how powerful it is the way that Paul describes this armor that he gives us and how we're to use it. And, and we know that we can use this armor if we do it in faith and in prayer. Put it on every day. Put it on when you get up. <laughs> in fact, take it to bed with you. Um, it'll, it'll guard you through your, through your dreams and through your sleep. And this is powerful stuff. Uh, and, and if people would just get a hold of it. But they don't. Instead, they say it's a nice story, and yeah, that's a nice theory, and you know, put on your helmet, and people make fun of it, you know, and they pretend they're putting it on. I'm putting on my helmet. <laughs> yeah, it's real funny. But, but if you take it seriously, and you'll actually do what the Bible tells you to do, he'll do his part. You do your part, and he'll activate it. He'll, he'll teach you to use it. It's incredibly important if, if you can just get a hold of this. All right, I need to take a quick break. I'm going to play a commercial, and um, I will be right back. Don't go away. We have a special offer for listeners of Alarm Radio. Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a 14-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can also pick another audiobook just by trying Audible.com. You can get The Hunger Games by Susan Collins, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, 112263, a novel by Stephen King. Or The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Millennium Trilogy. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash alarmradio. That's audibletrial.com alarmradio for your free audiobook. This offer is not available on the audible.com homepage. 
Don't worry about what's going on behind the scenes when you have a professional, licensed investigator who will expose the man behind the curtain. Facts the government doesn't want you to know. Get the truth with a Christian perspective at Will ZPI on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're not even Homeland Security can bury it so deep the informant can't find it. That's Will ZPI on the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, folks, did you hear that? Waiting for the winds of change to sweep the clouds away. And I'll tell you what, the winds of change are blowing hard. And we need to keep up with this. That's why we've gone over this armor of God, why this is so important, and why the clip that I played you earlier from Pastor Gardner about uh, uh, about coming about to the truth. You know, what she said is, so incredibly true. It explains so much that doubt is going to ruin us. And there are people who are in doubt all of the time. That's why it's so important. And, and listen to me, friends. It's so important to be able to come to the truth and hold on to it. And you're only going to be able to hold on to it is if you employ this armor of God. Without this armor, you are vulnerable. Because so many Christians have heard about the armor of God, have no idea what it is, how to use it. I don't want anybody who's in the sound of my voice to be one of those people. That's why we, we, we have to have a trust relationship with God. We have, to, we have to trust that he's going to not only give us this armor, but show us how to use it. This armor is incredibly important. You know what? This is like anything else, anything else in life. You know, even if you have doubts about it, if you've never ridden a motorcycle before, you have kind of doubts of, you know, if you're going to be able to handle it or what the deal is. And and then when you get on it and you start riding and you get a couple blocks away, you go, hey, hey man, it's pretty cool. You know, yeah, having a good time. Yeah, this, this is easy. But you doubted before. And it's not until you actually experience it that, that you understand there's no reason for that doubt. This is the same thing. Once you experience this, you'll understand there's no reason for any doubt, and, and you'll get firm and strong, and, and you'll understand so much more if you can get rid of that doubt. That's, that's just incredibly important. And you, you can do this if you will strengthen your trust, to strengthen your trust relationship with God. So let's talk about how do you strengthen your trust. What are some methods, some strategies to do that? What, and what does it mean to strengthen your relationship, uh, your trust relationship with God? Well, in the beginning, you have to take the first steps. You have to tell him everything. This is what's going to draw you closer to, to God is, is prayer. You know, many people can go and say uh, whatever they want. But if they don't mean it, it doesn't mean anything to him. It's an abomination to God to just say a bunch of words and not mean it. And, you know, he's not Santa Claus. You can't go sit on his lap with a, a list of I wants. Not every prayer should be a list of, well, I want a new car and I want 
a new house, and I want my wife to lose some weight, and um, I, I, I want I want this, and and I want this. Well, that's not how it works. That's not a relationship. That's Santa Claus. When you go to him in prayer, yeah, it's okay to ask for things, but that should be a small part of it. He wants you to come to him as someone who loves and respects him. You know, there's a reason why we get down on our knees when we pray. It's out of respect. It's out of respect for for a God that c- could create everything that we have the way he did and hold it in such an incredible, stable system. I mean, this is a powerful God, and he deserves our respect. He deserves for us to be on our knees, to give him the respect he deserves. Now, you don't have to be on your knees every time you pray. We're supposed to be praying to him continuously. But when you can, you should be. It says in, it says in John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Don't hesitate to confess your sins. Tell him that you screwed up. Tell him you made a mistake and you understand that, that it was a mistake you made. All of your prayers should begin with confession. And then the second thing after that should be giving thanks. You should be giving him thanks for everything. Not just for the incredible things that you see him do on a regular basis. I'll tell you what, the the dinner you just had came from him. And not just providing it to you, but he also created the ground that grew what you ate. He gave that to you in more than one way. We need to give him thanks for everything in our lives, for the health of our children, of our spouse, of our parents, of our neighbors. We need to give thanks. And, you know, there's nothing scriptural about what I'm going to tell you. But personally, I give him thanks for things unseen. Because he does things behind the scenes that he never gets glory for, that we never even know he does. He's working in ways that he knows he'll never get glory for it, but he does it for our good. Now, I'm sure... Most of you as parents have done things for your children behind the scenes that they don't know anything about, and you don't expect anything in return for that. You did it because you love your children. We are his children. He loves us. He does that for us in ways that we don't see. And and I think it's only right for me to say that in my prayers when I'm giving him thanks, to say thank you for whatever you did that I didn't see. I just want to acknowledge that I know you're doing them, and I'm thanking you for doing those things I never see. I think that's incredibly important, and it acknowledges that you really do care. It's a good acknowledgement to say, yes, Lord, I know who and what you are. I know you work behind the scenes. He's going to appreciate that. It's going to draw you closer to him. The closer you get to him, the better your trust relationship with him is going to be. That's, That's our goal, is to strengthen our relationship with him, because that's when the trust comes. And you have to be able to trust to use this armor to, to avoid all of these things that are coming from the doctrines of demons and evil spirits 
all of these things that are being hurled at us, because we are in the last days, we are being constantly bombarded with these lies, these untruths, and this doubt, and this um, all of everything that's drawn us away from the truth of the word. You have to have this armor on, and you have to have faith to use it. Give the Lord thanks for it, and ask Him to show you how to use it. And all of that doubt, all of everything that goes with that, is going to be gone. Because you're going to understand who and what you are in Christ. Once you know the truth, never, never stray from it, no matter what anybody says. Because those are lies of the devil that this armor is protecting you from. Okay, so you also have to listen for him. Not with your ears, not for a voice that you'll hear, although you may. Um, it's most likely something you'll feel in your heart, in your spirit, telling you the truth about what's right or wrong. Maybe which way to go or not to go. The trick is this. When you listen, he often tells us things that we don't want to hear or things we don't want to do. Well, look for the result of what he tells you. He may send someone or something to show you um, something in a different way. For example, uh, one person tells you something about God, then a short time later, in another place, for another reason, someone else tells you the same thing. Well, what would you gather from that? When you hear it the second time, then your first thought should be, all right. I, I hear you, Lord. You, you don't have to keep telling me over and over I'm not that stupid. I hope. He's telling you something a second time. That's you telling your, your kids, don't put your finger in that light socket. They walk over there and they've got their finger pointed that way. You say, hey, don't put your finger in that light socket. you got to tell them a second time. Didn't I tell you don't put your finger in that light socket? Get away from there. Well, God's doing that sometimes. When you hear the same thing a second or third time, hello, he's telling you more than once. Get your finger away from that light socket. Sometimes you tell your kids that and they just keep going back to it. You just shake your head and say, what's wrong with you? Didn't I tell you twice not to do that? Well, God's doing the same thing. Sometimes he's telling you two and three times. Hey, hey, didn't I tell you not to do that? Are you my child or are you not? Are you a heathen? I don't know. When I was a kid, my parents called me a heathen sometimes. Because <laughs> kids are hard-headed. And we as children of God are sometimes hard-headed. Don't be so hard-headed that when he tells you something two or three times that you're not listening. So if you hear something on this program and then you go to somebody else's program um, later this evening and you hear the same thing, he's telling you a second time. If you if you hear it somewhere else uh, on a news station or on a religious program or while you're reading the Bible, he's telling you a third time. You've got to be open to these things. You have to be aware of when you're hearing something over and over and over. That's God telling you just like you tell your kids over and over and over. Hey, get away from there. So let's, let's not close our ears to, to the obvious. If you can... If you can Increase this trust relationship, you're going to see things in your life change. When you're more in tune, when you're more aware, when you have a better understanding of when he's speaking to you, that he doesn't have to say it two or three times, things in your life are going to start to change. 
and you have to follow what he tells you. And if you do that, you'll find it works. And it's just like the motorcycle analogy I gave a little while ago. You know, it's strange at first, and it's something that you have to learn. That after you follow what he says, you know, for some of us, it's going to be two, three, four, five times before we finally get it, before it actually sinks in. You know, but he's a patient God. He'll tell you 15 times if he needs to, as long as you get it. But once you get it, then it's it's much easier. I mean, you know... Um, you know a car is approaching you because you can hear it coming. Well, this is kind of the same thing. You're going to know when he tells you something because you can hear it coming. You know that if he says, don't go down there, don't go down there because he's that's hearing it coming. You see what I'm saying? You, you're going to recognize when he's speaking to you and you're going to recognize to obey what he says because he's doing it for your good. You don't want to be sticking your finger in that light socket. He's He's trying to protect us. He's trying to guide us. He's trying to uh, sanctify us. He's, he, he, do you understand? He, and he's doing this because he loves us, not because he's a big, fat meanie. He's doing it because he loves us. And if he's yelling at you to stop doing it, then, hey, stop doing it. I mean, it's simple. And then he'll stop yelling at you. So, you know, the, what he's telling you may not always be what you want to hear. And sometimes he's going to ask you do, to do things that you don't want to do. You know, he's going to ask you to give up things that you don't want to give up. And, and he's going to ask you to um, do things that you don't want to do. You know, if you have $110 in your pocket and, and somebody in line in front of you um, all of a sudden comes up 100 bucks short and they're not going to be able to take food home for the family and he says, give them that 100 bucks," you're going to say, what? That'll only leave me ten dollars. What do you mean, give him a hundred bucks? This is my only hundred and ten dollars. He's going to say, give him the hundred dollars. How many times is he going to tell you before you reach in your pocket and give up that hundred dollars? Because he's got two or three hundred dollars waiting for you. If you'll do that, he's not going to leave you stranded. But you have to trust. You have to trust. When he tells you to do that, just do it. Don't say how much you're going to give me later. He's not going to leave you stranded. Give up the hundred bucks and move on. He's going to take care of it. So this is when you're going to start to see things work. You're going to see what the process is. And and if you if you confess and start the repentance prog- process, um, start your your trust process to grow stronger and thicker, and um, everything is going to change. Yeah, now, you know, in Hebrews 13.5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Give up that hundred bucks. He's not walking away from you. Got to have this trust. You know, Daniel 6.19.28 said, um, and, and these words that uh, of Daniel really show the real power of trust. This is such a hard thing to do. Um, it's a hard thing to do when when you're hurt or or when you're in trouble or when your your trust is hard to bring out or when the comfort that comes from it sometimes even harder to come by. Um, there's no comfort. Uh, it's just like everything else. He wants you to grasp his gifts firmly, rely on him a hundred percent, whether it's faith or trust or commitment, whatever. He wants you to be totally clothed in his gifts, um, in what he's given you to get by in all of these things. 
So I only got 10 minutes left here. Dad, burn it. I have so much more material. Uh, let's go over real quick if, because uh, I want to cover this, if, if whether or not it's God's voice you're hearing when you hear these things, when you feel these impressions. You know, because it's not always going to be God's voice that you hear. You have to have a strong enough relationship with him, and you have to be firm enough in the Bible to be able to discern what's his voice and what's not. And this is going to be very important. If you can't discern what his voice is or what another voice is, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be following the wrong things. So here, here's the deal. You have to ask yourself, is this message that I'm hearing, is this consistent with Scripture? And it has to be measured with the whole scripture, not just one verse. You can't cherry pick this. Everybody does this. You can't cherry pick it. Is it consistent with what he says? Does the message conflict with human reason? If it, if it conflicts or doesn't make sense, if the standard of the message are um, beyond our understanding, then question where this message is coming from because he's not going to give you a riddle that you have to solve. This is not a mystery. He's going to make it clear and it's going to make it plain. And and the Holy Spirit's going to tell you whether or not it's right or wrong if you can listen to the Holy Spirit. Because remember, we talked about that uh, uh, over the last couple shows about how, how this will direct you. If you'll just listen, it'll direct you on what's right or wrong and good and bad. So you have to you have to decide is what I'm hearing clashing with uh, clashing with my fleshly nature you know, with your human in world nature is it is it clashing with that sometimes he'll tell us to do things that our fleshy nature doesn't agree with you know like giving up that hundred bucks um, more uh, he's more interested in our spirit spiritual well being um, and and he'll bring about He'll bring about things that are healthy, good, and solid. So if you're being told to do something that's not healthy, good, or solid, um, or something that he wouldn't approve of, then you'll know it, it's not of him. Because obviously there's other, there's other entities that are speaking to other people who are buying into these lies. You know, this emerging church, the ecumenical movement, um, the people who think that we all worship one God. There's many paths to God. Um, everybody that's on this big kick of uh, being dependent on the government, everybody owes them something. You know, Jesus says that um, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. You know, everybody says, I don't have to work. The government's going to provide everything for me. That's just not the case. Sometimes he's going to challenge your faith when he, when he talks to you, when he speaks to you like this. It's going to challenge your faith. This may be God's way of drawing us closer to making us more and more faith. If your faith is challenged, if he's telling you something that's going to make you have faith, then he's challenging your faith. And if you follow through the way you're supposed to follow through, it's going to draw you closer to him. It's going to increase that trust relationship because you can increase that trust relationship on different levels, not just through his armor and not just through all of these other things we've already talked about for the last hour and a half but but from every angle you can you can trust uh increase your trust from every one of these angles does what he's telling you call for courage 
if it's opposing your flesh and your flesh says, oh, man, I, I feel, I'm going to have to have some real intestinal fortitude to do that, then, yeah, it may be from him because he's going to challenge you. He's going to test you. He's going to make you use the courage that he's given you. So it's just like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, you lose it. He's going to exercise your courage and your faith. We need to listen for those things. That's vitally important. All right. We've only got a couple of minutes left here. I still have another hour's worth of stuff to go through here. Um, let me say this. Um, trust, trust, trust. Uh, let's see. Mark chapter 1124, coming into Jerusalem, Jesus became hungry, and he, he went to a tree. Some of you may remember this. He came to a tree um, that was a fig tree that had no fruit on it. And he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And he rebuked that tree. Then the next day as they were leaving, Peter said, Rabbi, look, the tree, the tree which you cursed has withered. Jesus said, truly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say unto you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they'll be granted unto you. If you're not, this is the trust and faith that we've been talking about all night long. All night long. All right. Tomorrow, tomorrow, 8 p.m., we are going to, <laughs> we're going to do one of my favorite subjects. We are going to talk about. Uh, we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about apostasy. We are going to talk about uh, just an extension of what we've talked about today. Because these times are coming to pass so quickly, so incredibly fast, and so hard. All of these things are going to come under our nose before we even have a chance to try to stand up to them. Tomorrow at 8 o'clock, I, I expect everyone to uh, join in. I'll be waiting for you. Let me play this quick ad and the invitation. I'll be here at t um, tomorrow. Um, I hope you'll be here too. I look forward to seeing you then. Lord, you tell us in your word where two or more are... Oops, wrong one. Today's program is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash alarm radio. With over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash alarm radio. This offer not available on the Audible.com homepage. If you're coming to Christ for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life to Him, simply say this prayer. Lord, I put my faith in what You've done for me through Jesus' death and resurrection. I confess how hard it is for me to believe, but I'm trusting in You to give me faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I repent and ask your forgiveness. I depend on Jesus to save me from my sins and to give me eternal
eternal life. I want to obey Jesus as the Lord of my life. I don't know all this means, but I'll depend on Him to show me as I go along. I know I can't earn the right to be a Christian. I accept this as a free gift. Thank you that you have forgiven me my sins, that you're my Heavenly Father, and that you have accepted me as your child. Help me to be faithful, a faithful servant of the Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, if you just made this decision, welcome to God's family. God has called you and given you the faith to believe in Him. You have now responded to His call. Now you're beginning a new life, a life that you have received as a gift from God. You belong to God now. He'll give you the strength to live a new life by faith. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.